so all my uh, my tomatoes have have blight. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, it's annoying. And I was talking to a friend of mine about because she was saying her, her tomatoes have blight. I think lots of tomato, people's oh. tomatoes have blight. I have. Um, and uh, so she said, what she's done, she's rescued a few of the top ones, you know, right. that haven't been affected, and puts them to ripen on a windowsill. Yeah. Um, do you do this? Uh, I have done in the past. I don't grow tomatoes now, but I've, I'm familiar oh, with okay. the technique of ripening tomatoes on a windowsill, yeah. Yeah. But what interested me was she puts a banana there uh, because apparently a banana helps things mature and ripen. Does it? There's something in it that, that helps... Uh, you know, uh, fruit makes fruit ripen. It does. Have you invented this? Monty no. Don's never said this. No, this is true. But it made me kind of think. Well, that's what the podcast is, isn't it? Aren't we helping people to maturity? Aren't we helping people to ripen? So what you're saying is, we're a banana. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Welcome everybody. Welcome everybody to episode 172 of the Mid Faith Banana. Uh, my name is Nick Page, and I'm joined by Joe Davis. Hello. Hello. Now, hey, so you've 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 got vocal problems, haven't I you? I have. I've had a very croaky voice. I've, I've, you know, in paranoia, I have been testing myself every day this week because right. yes, I've, I've got a I've got a chesty, you know, croaky, coughy coldy thing going on yeah but it's fine now it's not good in the morning so we should be good for the recording it's a bit of a problem for you if you lose your voice isn't it you can't really do your job no not easily no no it's not a problem for the rest of us it's more blessing (laughs) um... no we've been through this with you i will be coming for you for tips on how to rest my yeah you need you need vocal naps you need to speak quietly you need to shut your gob that's how it goes I'll be very quiet. Okay, good. You'll barely know I'm here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's ever true, Joe. <laughs> anyway, how are you? How well, are you? Well, I'm, I'm good because uh just booked my booster jab today. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got contacted today by the powers that be. Been swimming in the sea. Uh, it's been hot, hasn't it? It's been really warm. It's been gorgeous. It's been really nice, yes. yeah. Yeah, in fact, I had to go out of the house earlier to get warm. We have a house yeah. that is it's really cold. When we had it all remodelled, the architect said, oh, it'd be lovely and warm in... We put the special insulation in. It'd be lovely and warm in winter and lovely and cool in summer. Well, he got yeah. half of it right. Oh, really? Is it's it just, not warm in winter? No, it's cool, oh, it's cool all year round. And really... it's colder indoors than that. It's ridiculous when you have to go and sit outside to warm up. <laughs> but but it's, nice it's, weather, you're right. But it's warmed up the sea, and that's great. And um, mm. I think you'll find it's about to turn because I imagine from about Saturday, about eight o'clock in the morning when we leave, it will be the wettest two weeks on record, I should think. <laughs> oh yeah, right. So <laughs> you've got a yeah, I'm go- yeah, I'm going off. So the Forest of Dean, lovely. Never been there. Barely knew where it was to be honest. But uh, there, I do know where it is now, and I'm looking very much uh, to going away there. So but- yeah. You'll be driving past our door. Will I? 
No, you, you, no. You've got to go west to the Forest of Dean. Well. You've got to go to Gloucester. If you're going to Gloucester, you've got to go A40. If you're going A40, you'll be going to anyway. Gloucester. Anyway, uh, <laughs> i tell you what was good. <laughs> so, because there was no podcast last week, for those who hmm. follow us on Facebook, I was able to put up your preach. Oh, and yeah, that okay. That was lovely, yes. I mean, obviously, I had to delete a lot of the comments because, you know. Yes. <laughs> I did like it. Fair enough. So I listened to it. I listened to you did preaching. You? I did listen to you preaching. I thought it was very good. You're a very good communicator, Nick. You ought to do mm. this sort of thing. And um, I, very much, <laughs> I very much like the start of the, the thing because it, it sort of, you know, you, you managed to get it from where you preach, but it, it just mm. tailed off the end of the song. And sort mm. of, you know, the end of the song came and people sat down and you came up and your opening words were, no one said you could sit. <laughs> Which had to tickle yeah. me. <laughs> I like to establish who's uh, who's in charge earlier. <laughs> I think it's that is good. That's, that's very, very good, pure nickness. And also, oh. uh, you did make a reference, you were talking about Jesus who, you, you know, sort of turned the tables on who's pure and who's not and seemed oh. to oh. break all the impurity laws. And you referred at one point to impurity cubed. You described the situation that Jesus was enacting out as impurity cubed. And I thought that could be a good award ceremony, couldn't it? What, the you impurity know? cubed award? Yes, exactly. Yeah, just oh. someone who is so outrageously impure. Yes. Yeah, if uh, <laughs> they could win an award. And I, 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 yeah, anyway, I digress. Well, I, I think you'd be in with a chance, wouldn't <laughs> I you? I would have thought so. <laughs> although, although there's a difference between impure and puerile. They're two different things. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, never mind. So there we go. It's all good. And so how are you? You're fresh and yes. ready to Well, rock. I'm all right. I'm all right, yeah been on holiday um uh and uh i suppose we ought to say actually if you're going away we're going to have another hiatus aren't we yeah sorry about that yeah sorry everyone but it's a bit patchy at the moment but uh joe's voice has got to take a rest as well. yes i have so, yeah. i've got to take a vocal break you have yeah <laughs> little little nap um so yes yeah, so, yeah it was really nice great weather north norfolk just gorgeous oh. just just lovely lots of lovely old churches i went oh. in of course. Yeah. I bet you wish you were there. Yeah. <laughs> You've had some, you had some good weather, though, didn't you? I mean, you, we have you, you amazing did it right. weather. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. And North yeah. Norfolk is beautiful. Any birds? No, actually, I didn't. The nature of the holiday, it was it was tricky for me to get away mm. bird watching. So, really, I didn't actually manage it, even though we were in that right part of the world really oh. and anyway to be honest i was mainly focused on churches this trip oh, for, the, for, for the book that i'm trying to avoid writing <laughs> yeah but it was nice uh other things are happening oh my dog's having an operation no yeah bill's Bill. having up well you know oh. he's got a he's got an unsightly lump he has bless him but yeah. enough about his owner uh he's got a, he's got one in his foot as well um and so he's got to have that taken off so we're anxious about that because he's quite an old dog yeah but uh he is a lovely dog though i mean uh, can he, we, can we a put a dog. picture of your dog on on the facebook oh yeah yeah People. i'll send you a picture of bill he won't yeah, he's mind. very cute yeah yeah he's lovely. well he might charge he's 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 got the image rights he, he owns his own image rights obviously <laughs> <laughs> so he might he might have to talk to his agent yeah. uh yeah Good. Brilliant. So have you got any events coming up? Well, yes. Like I mean, firstly, the weekend's coming up. That's very exciting. The big church weekend away. I uh, won't say much about it. Except about, just to say to people, Rachel was around that weekend, which is going to make it immeasurably better than it would have been. And she's available to 
hear people's stories and take some time out and listen to people because she uh, does spiritual accompaniment as you know and more mm. generally for any listeners if uh, that is something that is of interest to you so spiritual director a bit she doesn't like that name so because she doesn't feel like she directs people at all but she doesn't spiritual accompaniment is listening to people and seeing just seeing what the divine's up to in their lives if anyone's interested in having someone to talk to like that let get in touch uh joe at midfaithcrisis.org and um that's some anyway so there's that but very excitingly our dear friend ali uh, oh, yeah. who we know well it has agreed to do an enneagram day and specifically um for enneagram type ones which she is so type one if you know the enneagram and um, if you don't know it you're not going to have a clue what i'm talking about now but they're the perfectionists and so people who are nines or twos also have a one wing and people who are sevens like me go to ones in unhealth and all that sort of thing. So if you are if if you are affected by type one issues on the Enneagram, this is a day that may be of interest to you. We're going to do it. I think we can do it in my house, actually, uh, on uh, the Saturday, the 20th of November. Uh, might cost you anything. We'll probably give you a meal. I mean, it's a donation thing. Um, so if you can afford something, that'd be great. If you can't, don't, don't fret about it. But um, yeah, if you're, if you're kind of interested in the Enneagram and in some way you're related to the type one um, uh, perfectionist type, then uh, this could be an interesting day for you. Um, and mm. Ali is absolutely brilliant. She's a mutual friend of ours. She's done the Renovare course. She's, yeah, generally a wonderful human being. I'm just wondering about the pressure of doing a day for perfectionists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> it's either got to be absolutely spot on or or I suppose you could go the other way and do it as kind of like, you know, aversion therapy and uh, have it completely chaotic. But it's well, the pressure, thing is, there is Ali and there's me in my type sevenness here. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's quite a contrast in styles going on. Um, yes. Yes, but uh, <laughs> it should I, be fun. I'll be bringing the fun, and she'll be bringing the serious content. I think you're fine. That's how it's going to work. That's great. <laughs> it should be a good day. Great. Uh, so, um, unless there's any more uh, church notices, um, sh- there's oh, no more. There's no more church notices. But can I say to people? I mean, obviously, we always love hearing from you. But people have started sending in pictures of churches to me, and you know, just <laughs> church-related stuff. JS sent in a podcast, uh, which was a link to the UK's best churches, which I actually listened to. Um, it's quite interesting. You'd like it. Anyway, uh, you're but turning. On en- you. en- but enough now. Okay, I know. I know there are church buildings out there. And I know they've got blocked up windows and doors. I get it. I know this. Stop now. Okay, it's very it. funny at the time, but stop now. <laughs> I love it. I love that people have been sending you this. <laughs> well, I'm so glad anyway, you. yes, yes, yes. We'll put him. Let's let leave him alone now because he's starting to get angry. So uh, <laughs> yeah. let's let's get on with some feedback. Shall I need we? a break. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Karen sent this in. 
She said, Dear Joe and Nick, I've been a listener of the MFC podcast for about a year and have recently completed a catch up on all back episodes. I mean, that's a that's a no, once again, yeah, please no, think really, about your life choices. Really, people. <laughs> she said, read your recent Genesis episode. I'd like to raise a couple of issues. Firstly, she says, do we place too much importance on Genesis, especially the first 11 chapters? And secondly, does a correct interpretation of the Genesis stories actually matter? Hmm. She says, I'm a biologist by background and have spent much of my Christian life trying to reconcile my scientific understanding with my faith. It's been a difficult and lonely journey, although I have recently found Mike McHarg's book, Finding God in the Ways, very helpful. Regarding Genesis, I believe we do indeed place too much emphasis on this book, especially the early chapters, as I'm finding myself increasingly un unable to believe many of its traditional interpretations. Evolution over millions of years involving birth, life, suffering and death, long before the emergence of human beings, does not support the idea of a perfect pain-free world created by God or the idea of a fall caused by humans. Biologists would point to the pain in, in human childbirth being caused not by woman's disobedience, but as an adaption to upright walking and the associated narrowing of the pelvis and birthing canal. I didn't know that. Interesting, eh? Uh, the sin-centred Genesis explanation of language diversity also seems scientifically implausible. Furthermore, to what extent can human evolution from apes be reconciled with the idea that we were created in the image of God? Uh, but do these issues matter? Yes, I believe they do, for three main reasons. Firstly, I believe God is a God of truth, so we should be aiming to believe and share only truth. Secondly, I suspect that increasingly educated and questioning societies will reject what they see as implausible Christian doctrines and as a consequence reject the Christian faith entirely. Are we seeing this already in the younger generation? And thirdly, I believe some of the teachings arising from the Genesis stories are actually dangerous. For example, how much of the denigration and abuse of women in Jewish, Christian and Muslim cultures throughout the ages has resulted from seeing women as being responsible for bringing sin and evil into the world, as recounted in the Garden of Eden story. Kind regards, Karen. So there's some pretty good questions there, but do we do we make it too important? That's the first question, wasn't it? Well, I think one thing that struck me actually out of this before getting onto that was she talks, Karen talks very movingly of the difficult and lonely journey mm. she was on mm. of trying to reconcile scientific understanding and faith. I'm I suppose I'm quite shocked in a way that it's still like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, so many of my friends who are Christians are scientists. Mm. And, you know, doctors or physicists mm. or chemists or, you know, they're, mm. I have a lot, lot of friends who are scientists. And I, I'm just, I'm, sh I'm shocked mm. and I'm, I'm sad that yeah. it's still a lonely and, and difficult journey to try and... Well, reconcile the two i know what you mean but but actually if you're going to a church that's teaching something very different mm. that that feels lonely it does right yeah yeah, yeah. but perhaps mm. well it'd be interesting here from other scientists out there to to, to hear yes. what's, what's helped you and what your experience has has been of this and yeah. you know how, how how that journey has been for you you know mm. but um you know karen i'm sorry it's been like that um mm. are we placing too much emphasis on genesis hmm hmm it's a tricky one. I don't know if we are. I think it is a really key text. I think the problem is obviously to do with the, uh, you know, the interpretations that you you do with that. I mean, it's, I, I, thinking about this, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that the first 
book and the last book of the Bible, mm. the Christian Bible, uh, Genesis and Revelation, are are books that I think have caused quite a lot of problems yeah. <laughs> in the way they've been interpreted. They have. Uh, both mysterious, both not kind of history as we would understand it in any way. Both, yeah. both a particular genre and both really open to you know, quite a wide range of interpretations. So I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I don't know if we're... I don't know. I mean, too I, much I, feel the, I feel some of the pain in this email because I think, I think Karen is absolutely right. I mean, you know, the denigration and abuse of women in, in Christian cultures, I think that's absolutely true. That's just, mm. that's just saying it like it is. It has caused that. It has caused this outrageous... I mean, you, you know, to modern ears, you know, the idea that, you know, women shouldn't teach or have authority or be in leadership. I mean, I, I, you know, I've just never understood that my whole of my Christian life. And now I understand it even less. Um, you know, I just, the Bible is a dangerous book, isn't it? I mean, it, it, and it's not just Genesis that's dangerous because you can make, you can pull verses from here, there and everywhere. And as, you know, we used to in systematic theology to, you know, you were trained to do that to make your case, really. Mm. Um, so, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, something that jars within me when you say part of it really isn't that important. But then again, why? You know, numbers isn't very important to me. When was the last time you read numbers? I bet. I mean, you probably read it yesterday, knowing you. But you know, like most <laughs> normal did, people, I did read it a couple of months ago. Yeah. Don't <laughs> devote a lot of time to numbers because it's so meaningless for us but i gather it must have been really important at one point otherwise why would you have written it um, well i think some bits of genesis are relatively unimportant in the sense that they are quite baffling you mm. know and so nobody really mm. knows what to do with them mm. i think i don't think you can entirely blame genesis for uh that kind of misogyny or you know if you're talking about women in leadership then obviously paul's um writing is more culpable yeah. in that i I don't think it's just a one-way street. It's not that people read Genesis and thought, oh, let's make women second-class citizens. It's that we're, culture yeah. throughout history has made women yeah, second-class citizens. Yeah, I mean, pa patriarchy has something to answer for as well. Exactly. And so, yeah. so there yeah. are plenty of patriarchal cultures who never read Genesis. So I don't think it's that. And Genesis, in a way, is trying to explain why things are the way they are. Not, you know, that that's one of the problems with it. People think it's a description of, how things came about, but it's it's as much a description of why things are the way they are. In that sense, there's actually quite a radical way of reading it, which is to say, well, isn't it amazing that a book, which is undoubtedly the product of an elite, in that it was written by people who could read and write, and the, and the mm. priestly caste were very much involved in it, mm. um, is is so radical. It does claim that men and women are made in the image of god yeah it does claim a sort of huge democracy like that a huge yeah. equality like that it does actually sure. say that that the social structures that are in place the structures at which they are at the top of yeah. are the result of some kind of um you know fall if you want to use that or some kind of yeah. uh, error so i think it's there's ways of reading genesis that are more radical and that that i think is the question the question is if genesis can be used dangerously how do we use it responsibly yeah. If yeah. it's a powerful book, how yeah. do we use that power yeah. responsibly? How do we use it for good and yeah. not for 
evil. And I know that that kind of but, phraseology is something you want to talk about. But, you know, that, but that, absolutely I think is. it's a really good question. No, and I think the overarching narratives of the Bible, I mean, I don't, I don't know, is it progressive revelation? Is that the right term? I'm not sure that it is. But, you know, the idea that this, this is a book that's going in a direction. So if we go through Leviticus and we read some of the attitudes to women there, we are absolutely appalled by it. And rightly so, I think. We should be appalled by it. But nonetheless, 3,000 years ago, that was a step in the right direction, mm. you know. And mm. and so, and then, you know, you see Jesus' treatment of women. And there's another major leap forward. And, uh, and I think, you know, as we know, um, early church leaders who were women. So there's a direction of travel. And we ought to be trying to continue that direction of travel, not go backwards. And it's, yes, it's, you know, yeah. it's a disaster when we go backwards and, you know, with all those attitudes of, well, this is what scripture says. So we just do it and we don't question it. And, you know, that's yeah. And it's that always seems to be foolish. It's always an imposition on the text, actually, because, the, you know, there was many different ways, as I said, within Genesis, because of the stories contained within there. Were, there were various different ways of reading it, of encountering it that would help us to see these stories differently. I'd like to recommend a book, which I didn't, I forgot, I don't think I recommended last time, I think I forgot to do it, but it's a translation of Genesis by a scholar called Mary Phil Corsack. I'll put the, um, I'll put her name on the show notes and put a link in. And it's called At the the Start, Genesis Made New. And uh, it's really good. And it it forces you to, to, to look at the text again and uh, so she doesn't, for example, she she doesn't translate Eve's name as Eve because actually it's a pun in Genesis. I mean, okay. Eve's proper name is only mentioned, I think, twice, but it's a pun and it means life. Okay. So when when Adam calls her, he says she, she was called life because she's the mother of the living. Uh-uh. And so it makes you think, ah, oh, hang on a minute. Well, maybe she's not the villain of the piece. And um, in fact, she, this woman also wrote a very good article on on different ways of interpreting Eve. So again, I'll try and put a link to that if I can. So, so I think there are ways around it and I think we have to keep, I think it is foundational. I think it is important, but I think it, it it doesn't mean it has to be read in a certain way. Yeah. And also I think we need our scientific advisor to come in here. Bethany Solareda. Where are you, Bethany? We need you. Yes. We need you back. We need your comments on this. (laughs) She's probably a very wise lady and stopped listening years ago. I would imagine so. I I would imagine so. so. I mean, I stopped listening years ago. (laughs) By the way, on that note of Genesis, and Kate wrote in asking what we thought about Dave Tomlinson's view. Um, And he sent a little link. You can see it in his Holy Shared podcast. But, you know, he talks about the Genesis story as a coming of age story. So when, you know, it's not a story about how sin entered the world and how the fall, it's a, it's a story about humanity growing up, mm, becoming okay. like God and receiving consciousness and thought and decision-making and all that sort of stuff. So, But, but Kate did make me laugh because she said at the end of it, she said, could you discuss the, jo- the Johannine uh, text as well, particularly the exclusive text? And it just made me laugh that here were people, strangers, writing into us, asking for our comments on biblical stuff. Like, we're two bald blokes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a limit to how much we can yeah, bluff we're here, not I that feel. clever. <laughs> but thank you that you think we are. I oh. mean, you know, that, that, that encouraged me. <laughs> right. We'd have to go back to our favourite theology, which is the theology of I don't know. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Meh. I don't know. Meh. 
Oh. <laughs> right. Steve. Do you know this, Steve? Is this a friend of yours? Steve wrote in. Well, I have lots of friends called Steve, but I don't yes, think this is one of them. It's a requirement for you, isn't it? But anyway, mm. um, he sent in many pictures of churches <laughs> <laughs> before getting on with the email. <laughs> <laughs> he said this on to other issues and uh, referring back to Brian McLaren and the four stages he says I recently met up with an old friend whom I've not seen for 15 years or so we used to go to the same evangelical church and I think he's still of that persuasion I was describing the stages and my personal journey through the first three and tentatively into the fourth today whilst walking in the lakes the thought struck me that the four stages of faith were probably fairly matched by similar life stages simplicity which is the first one I was a young Christian, but was also young and enthusiastic, impressionable and eager to learn without questioning from mentors in my career. Complexity, uh, which is the second stage. I had responsibilities at work. I had young kids. Three, I quit my job and started my own business. It grew and I employed people. I moved house, found new friends, started new hobbies. All busy, all good. And my Christian life was good too, but busy as a volunteer youth worker. Uh, I didn't have time to question my faith or to critique my work philosophy at any level of depth. And then perplexity. It starts starting to unravel. The credit crunch means I have to contract my business. My kids are teens. My friends get sick. I question God and my faith. I leave church and then go back. But there's a noise in my head when I'm there and I don't much care for. So I withdraw. I start to question some of the fundamental principles that underpin my work, despite giving talks at international conferences. So you're seeing the links here, aren't you? And then harmony. Yeah. Hmm. He says harmony ish. He says I retire four years ago. My kids leave home and are happy in work and in relationship with partners. I start volunteering. I cycle a lot. I listen to the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. I read books by Nick Page, McLaren and Rob Bell. I don't understand God anymore beyond a creative love that is both distant, earth-creating, wonderful, so much beauty and mysterious. Why? But I let go of the doubt and hold on to the love as much as I am able to. I guess it kind of makes sense that one's spiritual journey matches the rest, at least in the big picture narrative. But what if it doesn't? Are there some who stay in simplicity or complexity in faith, but move on to perplexity in life? Is it possible to have your faith stage and your life stage out of sync? And if so, how does it feel? <laughs> so there's some good questions there, weren't there? <laughs> I think that's a really interesting uh, perspective. Yeah. I suppose... Well, I'm going to hand over to you because this is much more your your mm. area. But I think I have a lot of sympathy with it as an idea. It seems to me that a lot of people go through these stages at certain times of their life. And, uh, um, you know, what what Steve is saying there is it, it seemed to have affected him not just in his faith life, but in his professional yeah. life as well and all yeah. kinds of things. But I would say that obviously it's not... It, that's not always the case. Some people you know, have a mid-faith crisis quite young. Yeah. yeah and some yeah, people yeah. have it a lot older. Um, so I, I don't think it's it's it has to be that way, but I think it often is that way. I don't know what your experience is of this. Yes, I mean, I th you know, I think people who experience suffering at a young age often sort of ratchet up through the stages quite possibly. But also I do, I think it's a really interesting point. You know, it reminded me of Alexander Shire and, and his quadratus journey and it's it's like the hero's journey you know there is there is a certain pattern and rhythm to i think if 
if if you could call it the normal life i know there is no such thing as a normal life but you know there's this idea that we start off at home and then sooner or later there's a calling there's an invitation to leave and it takes you into the unknown into the into complexity into the abyss and then you confront yourself and that's what's really frightening um so there's you know with that kind of you know joseph campbell stuff going on in the background and the the story of myths and everything i think you sort of layer these stages of faith and stages of life do sort of sink into that rhythm as well so yeah yeah it's a very good point and i'm sure it is possible to be out of sync in different areas of life because i often think you know with the stages of faith we it's not a linear journey more kind of almost a cyclical season um like the seasons uh so i think sometimes you you just think you've got a handle on on something well especially the divine and then the divine breaks out of that box and so round you go again as mm. as you morph so and change so sort of two things there one you mentioned the role of suffering mm. uh in it and i suppose perhaps that's something that you expect to have or suffering and loss that you expect to have a slightly more mature yeah age to encounter that um so but that's 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 obviously key that's a more life experience than a life you know than a chronological yes indeed yeah the other thing i would say is that i think the desire or the ability to go into the the mid-faith crisis is is also linked to a certain amount of confidence um to Mm. almost allow yourself to enter those questions yeah and and that's something that you tend to get, I think, with maturity or at a certain age. At a certain age, mm. you tend to think, why, you know, you tend to have a bit more confidence in exploring it. I can remember for me mm. the moment that this happened, actually, about certain sort of biblical things that I was thinking around. Mm. I woke up in the morning, one morning, and said, and thought to myself, hang on, I don't have to believe that. I'm, n- I'm <laughs> not a vicar. <laughs> I bought that one. <laughs> I was just that I can't remember what I was thinking about now. It's just yeah. that I suddenly realised that that hold on, I don't have to do that. Yeah. I, I I'm not it's, I'm not a professional. I don't have yeah. to believe that or whatever. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. And so suddenly I had the confidence to go and explore a whole lot more because I suddenly thought, oh, I've got a totally different platform yeah, here. I don't have to go down that. Route. Yeah. Yeah, I had a similar uh, experience at a Christian conference. I've booked. I've did booked you? Into. I don't know why I booked into it really, um, but it was yeah. I won't say what it was because I don't want you know bad mouth anyone. But no. I went to this conference and I I walked out of it. I just walked out of it. The person at the front was just no, just no, and I knew <laughs> that this is not for me. <laughs> right. It's, and I think I think probably in a way that you know is it, it was a tipping point that you know once I questioned that then I had to question a lot of other things and and then we slid down that slippery slope. Into the mid-faith crisis. <laughs> Interesting. So I think it can feel bewildering and it can feel very difficult for people. Hmm. Um, and it, and I, maybe part of that is because it, it also happens at a time when a whole load of other, hmm. uh, you know, perplexities are going on hmm. in, in life, you know, about your role. Of, you know, as you, as you get older, your hmm. kids grow up and they leave home more. You you get to a certain stage in your, your professional career. I wrote about this in The Dark Night of the Shed where you... Yeah. You wonder what is, is this it? Is this what I've yeah, come to? So yeah. all that stuff can coalesce. Um, yes. And so I think there's a lot of power in this idea that it is 
that it happens at, at certain times, you know, chronologically. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, he was he was uh, talking about his church and how he'd gone back after lockdown, and he was, uh, I don't know where this church is in another city, but he was he was um, uh, very frustrated with it. He didn't. He, he just saw all he saw was they're trying to do things the same old way. They're trying to do sort mm. of worship worship show with dry ice and everything and all this kind of. Thing. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's saying, it, suddenly he just he's completely. And he's never felt disenchanted with it before. And and I just said to him, well, I think partly it's because of where you are in your life at the time now. You're you're in your forties now, and you've yeah. been going there. You've been part of this Christian culture for twenty, thirty years, and yeah. you're bored with it. You know, yeah, you're yeah, you're looking yeah. for something different. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and you're at a certain point professionally where you can question it. So I think I I do think there is it's a biblical principle, isn't it? That age brings uh, maturity brings wisdom. Mm. It, it doesn't always work. I know a lot of stupid old people, but uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, you're it is looking at one. That, I know. <laughs> I've got a mirror in front of me as well. I'm looking at that one. <laughs> But, but I think that's true, isn't it? Maturity does count for something. You know, you yeah, do gain, yeah, you've, you've racked up some experience. And yes. I think that makes you more able to sit back and ask difficult questions and not worry too much about the answers. I agree. I agree. Yes, it does. And I, I think it makes people really interesting. When they got to the stage where they don't mind so much what other people say about them anymore and they're not trying to please everyone else and they're thinking for yes. themselves, I think you get a really interesting person on your hands then. <laughs> then when we're in that sheep stage, just doing dutifully what we're told. <laughs> it's not so interesting. <laughs> well, that's true. It, it does raise a lot of possibilities and questions about, for example, I've, I've thought for a while, a long while, that our, our style of church... And almost our our doctrinal stance is hugely affected by our personalities, by who we are yeah. as individuals. A lot of people, you know, and and your background, what you grew up mm. with, and all this kind mm. of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. a lot of people don't want it to be that way because they want it to be a kind of, you know, pure truth that they have discovered. Yeah. But it isn't. It's just what you like doing. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. you just of course it like. Is. But then I wonder where whether our stages of life, how old we are, also affects that. You like different things at different stages of life. I love gardeners' world now. Yeah, what can do. I say? Yeah. You know, there's. Uh, I I didn't used to, but I like it now. Have you started watching Chelsea as well now? Chelsea I do watch Chelsea a bit, yeah, but it's, it's not lovely. really my type of. There's not enough tomato blight. No, okay. It, it, I think yeah. there should be more, more, but more bananas on display. Well, you just want a really terrible garden, don't you? Yeah, so you I go, do. yeah that one's better than mine. I, I mine's do. better I want, than that. I, yeah, mine, I this do is... want a real one. <laughs> Can you imagine if they launched the Chelsea crap garden? If it yeah, was really rubbish, exactly. And, you, you know, know they, sort of it, a few beer cans in it. Yeah. <laughs> Bottles people are thrown over the fence from other gardens in general. An old mattress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flight thing. More realism chair. on Chelsea. That's what we want. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I digress from the very important theological truths you were pondering. No, no, no. I just think it's interesting. I think these things have more effect than we think. And I think there is, you know, there's, I think there's, it's true that, that, you know, there are stages of life when we're going to be more open to this yeah. kind of adventuring, I think. 
Yeah. But back to Karen's point I mean, in her email, she was saying, you know, but we need to be dealing in truth because God is truth. Um, hmm. And so, you know, we don't want to be getting this stuff wrong, but it, it's not as, it's not as black and white as that, is it? I mean, because I, I totally get the sentiment behind that statement. I don't want to mislead anyone. I only want to help people know truth. But, you know, I do wonder sometimes whether truth shifts a bit. I mean, this is a terrible thing to say, isn't it? I'm only thinking oh, out loud. No, no, but like what you it's back to those stages of faith, that child development. You know, the truth that a child needs to know is you don't go out in the road. Yes, you never yeah. go out in the road. You never go out in the road, especially if there's trucks coming. That's a good truth for a child, but it's not a good truth for an adult. So the truth shifts as you mature. So doesn't that happen in other parts of life? Oh, we get some angry emails if I'm wrong about that, won't we? So. No, no, I think uh, firstly I'd like to say that uh, firstly I'd like to say that if a truck is coming, then you shouldn't go out in the road even if you're an adult. But uh, let's point. just clarify Unless you that. can judge the philosophy of it because you're a smart adult. Uh, and it might yeah, be right down think, the other end. I think that was the hidden subtext of what you were saying. Oops. But uh, no, I think that... What's your phrase? Your phrase that's always struck with me, stuck with me is um, as you got older you've become more and more fundamental about less and less yes absolutely yeah so there's very little not... absolutes but the absolutes are really absolute are really absolute. so yeah it's not that there isn't truth no it's that there is some absolutely strong truth you know yeah. mind-bendingly life-givingly strong yeah. truth to yeah. discover but there are also lots of other mm. uh you know fluent <laughs> fluid fluid ideas or there are lots of yeah. other ways of understanding other bits yeah, and no, I think you're right and it's the it's I think it, sociologists call it the foreground and background or something don't they the, you know the, mm. the, there's a certain amount of stuff that's really crucial yeah. uh, to us but I think it gets less as you get older yeah, um, yeah so I think I, I don't think that, that it's not that it, I, I wouldn't say this not everything is negotiable not everything is, is up mm. for grabs God is love you know, yeah, and that, uh, 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 but I think it's how you interpret a lot of the other stuff. It yeah. becomes uh, things like Genesis become a lot more yeah. fluid. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know, I just did a wedding this weekend, and I think about your commitment to love and to love someone, and that can't be legislated for in law because what it looks like one day might look like something else. You know, loving mm. someone today may just look like making the you know poached egg on toast for them. But another day, it might look like sitting down and really listening to them for two hours solid as they really unburden what's going on in their lives. And another day, it may look like holding their hand and taking them out for a walk in the country. I mean, it it looks like and you, if you were to say love is this, you prepare the eggs at this time in the morning and you serve them at this time. You know, you try and do that. It's not love. It's just a law that can become empty and meaningless. So, you know, truth can sometimes be a little bit like that. I think there is truth. But it, you've got to know what that means and looks like today. Oh, well, I'd, gone too I'd want to say to the listener that something they ought to know is that you make the best poached eggs in the world. I do pride myself on my poached eggs, thanks. So yeah. I, I'm not surprised that you, you viewed them as a barometer of truth. Yes, they are. Because an unkempt, splishy, splashy, wet poached egg, nothing could be worse. And it doesn't mm. say love. <laughs> Where's a beautifully formed, round, well cooked, with a nice soft middle? That's lovely. Yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. Shall we move okay. on? <laughs> Triggered something there. 
Yes. So, well, I'll, do you know, just uh, we need to finish, right? Mm. So shall we? Uh, just mm. so we're doing this thing in Soul Place, where we're returning to scripture. Because uh, I, you know, I make the assumption that people don't read it, <laughs> so rightly or wrongly. So we're returning to scripture. We're going through the Psalms, starting at Psalm one. We're not going to pick our cherry pick. We're just we're just going to go mm-hmm. through the whole lot eventually. And it, it was interesting. Just this verse was really liberating. And once you once you are free from the kind of dualistic language and this idea of notions of punishment and eternal consequence and everything, you can just read it and get something from it and ponder it. And we read it mm. in three different versions and we read it slowly three times. And, um, you know, it's just one of these lines that you often get, I think, about, you know, the, the righteous evidently ponder and meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. It's something the righteous like do. Mm. And um, we have this prayer that we say at the end of Soul Place. It's quite a good prayer. It says, uh, it, it comes out of uh, a study of the Beatitudes and the, the Ninefold Way by Mark Scandrett. And um, and we say this every week. May we live with open hands, mourn what's broken, serve with self-respect, use my power for good, look with compassion, walk in honesty, reach past difference, suffer for love and live fearlessly following the way of radical love. And if you've done the Ninefold Path, you will know that's a little summary of the Beatitudes right in there. So the main manifesto of Jesus. So although it's not scripture, it's just someone's interpretation. I've been looking at those. What's been sitting with me is this idea that I can using my power for good. So I tried all day long to have this little mantra going on in my head. Uh, How can I use my power for good now? How can I use my power for good now? How can I use my power for good now? And just just keep returning, whatever you can do to remind you to return to that question. And it's it is really interesting the effect how that changes your behaviour when you're meditating on something good. That's what I was thinking. So mm. so meditating on something good and having some words to centre you and to bring you back is really helpful. So I just thought I'd throw this out to the listeners. Uh to just try something. I don't know what your spiritual practices are, whether you do any, whether you do some, but here's the thing. If you uh, <laughs> if you want to try this, I really recommend it. You Because we, we do have power. We do have power. There's no doubt about it. So here's a question to ask yourself, if you can, 99 times today. <laughs> how can I use my power for good now? And just see if it changes you. Just see if it makes a difference to how you live because i mean although that isn't a direct quote from the law of the lord it is certainly a very fair summary of something that followers of jesus i think <laughs> can rightly do to ask that question how can i use my power for good and, and just see what i'd be really fascinated to see if other people have found that as helpful as i have found uh, that exercise so yeah great does it does it have to be 99 times if i do it 98 times am i out of the will of the lord well, you're just not quite as special as others. Okay. You're a bit disappointing. Good, 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 good to know we've got a bit of legalism. He back loves in you, there. but he's Very slightly good. disappointed. With yeah. you. <laughs> that, that is how I thought of God for years. You know, let's, not, let's not go back there. We'll talk about that another time. But uh, yeah, sounds great, and I like that because it 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 reminds us that we all have agency. Like you say, we've all exactly got some power for good. We have. And so I think the best use of our power for good right now would be to stop this podcast. <laughs> it definitely would. <laughs> and it would also be good to thank everyone so, so much for, for listening, for writing in, for giving. Thank you so much. 
Yes, thank you very much. And we will be back, I don't know when, because you're off on holiday. Yes, yeah, and... it's, it's, it's going to be in a while. So, uh, it, when you least expect us, we shall return. Oh, yeah. <laughs>